Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to episode 54 of the Rex Chapman Show with my super dope homeboy from the Lex Town, Josh Hopkins. What's up, buddy? How are you? What's up, Rex Ever Chapman? How you doing? Good, Billy Joe Hopkins. You're uh, you're in Austin. It looks like this yes, week. Sir. Looks yeah, like you're back, in Lexington. Back home. I'm in Lexington. We just missed one another. Just missed um, each other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, episode fifty-four. Fifty-four. Yeah. Famous fifty-fours that you can think of. Well, the one that comes to mind is is college at Pinckney. Fifty-four. Villanova. Eddie I was at that game. I was at that Georgetown. <laughs> They'll know the game at Rupp. So I went there That's with my amazing. dad. Good memory. That's a good memory for me. Maybe the greatest college game of all time. Yeah. Uh, uh, about when you? 54 immediately and just tells you how, you know, sports, it's weird. I immediately thought of Kent Benson, the center from the 1978 Indiana <laughs> championship team. Wow. Kent Benson. And I went, was he 54? Yeah. yeah. Come on, I, I watched him that when I was 10. You know, yeah. uh, I, I Ken think Vincent, Patrick Patterson. Patrick Patterson. Cats. Ho yeah. Grant, Horace Grant. Horace Grant, there 54. Yeah. Uh, uh, big, going, big goings on in the NBA this past week, Josh. Yeah, Hopkins. yeah. Real, real quickly, uh, yeah. I'd like to check out, the, um, do our book club segment. Oh, yeah. See anything we can. Uh, you know, let the people know that they should maybe be reading. Did you did you uh, do anything and read a book or anything this week? No, I don't know if you know, but uh, rest in peace. The queen died uh, uh, yesterday. And uh, no, that so that's been taken up. That took up all my time. I haven't uh, read anything read because she died yesterday. Yeah. 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 It's, that's f- same with me. I didn't. I couldn't even read the previous days before she died. I just had something. I knew something was coming. Wow, that, that's yeah. cool. I, I sort of, I get, me too, me too. Or I would have read, but I couldn't. So, so that's yeah. the book club. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a big trade that happened. Big trade in the NBA. And I got to give it up. I'm, I'm, I'm team Danny Ainge. Uh, he's one of my buddy buddies. Um, I got to give it up to Danny because Danny does not mess around. He either attempts to contend to win a title, uh, mm-hmm. to make it to the, you know, conference finals. Uh, that's right. just who he is. And if he has a team that feels is sort of fatally flawed or has a ceiling, he does not hesitate to go out, be aggressive, blow the team up, rebuild, and get pieces. And they're not, you know, they still, I mean, what'd they get? They ended up getting three first round picks unprotected. So, hold on, they we're got- talking about. Let's, let's uh, so yeah, Danny Ainge about. traded for the traded Spider Mitchell to Cleveland for Jazz to Cleveland. Yeah, for, and for, I love Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, for three for first round picks, unprotected, two pick swap pick swaps, uh, Laurie Markinen, Ochai Abaji, and Colin Sexton. Now, you know, I don't know, I like Colin Sexton fine, Markinen's whatever. Um, but they've got picks now. People are shitting on the Knicks. Everyone in New York wanted uh, Donovan Mitchell to go to the Knicks. Mm-hmm. And people are upset with the Knicks that they couldn't do this. And it's easy to shit on the Knicks. And I'm not going to do that uh, because I've felt like the past 15 years, 20 years with the Knicks, their biggest problem is they haven't stuck to any plan that they've had. They get a year in or they get two years in to whatever it is and they fire a coach or they trade the best player or make some trade and give up too much. At least this time, they had a walkaway point. 
and they right. weren't willing to, you know, you know, I'm sure they were willing to give up RJ Barrett and a slew of other stuff, but apparently getting Donovan was just too rich for their blood. And I'm all right with that. I really am. Yeah, and I love Donovan Mitchell. That's a great point. I mean, but even I love Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. But that seems that's a that's a high price. It is. Un, but, you know, also he's a he's a local kid, Jersey kid. His dad's been with the Mets forever, you know, uh, in their organization. So I think also the Knicks knew Donovan probably wanted to be there. And right. that put a little, you know, and of course, Danny Ainge knew that. So yeah. that makes uh, makes it even tougher. But right. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. And look out. Look at what a backcourt of Winston Garland's kid. What's his name? Uh, at Cleveland. Darius, Darius Garland and uh, Donovan Mitchell. That's dangerous. And then yeah. they've got pieces. The big kid in the middle, Mobley. Uh, Who you loved. I love him. And so I, I think they're I think they're serious. You know, they're 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 about to be serious. Well, the, the the Jazz have accrued a bunch of other first round picks, right? They've got like yeah seven or eight of them now. I mean, they're I mean they you know, completely blew that team up. You know, traded Rudy Gobert, uh, traded Donovan, got rid of the coach. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Utah will be will be rebuilding for a bit, um, but uh, got a lot of ping pong balls. They got a lot of yep. ping pong balls. So that's right. Yeah, that will be fun to see, and it'll be fun to see. Now the now the Bulls are a team to oh, watch. Yeah. You know, yeah, they are. But but uh, and I don't know if you saw this, but a couple of days ago, Lonzo Ball probably not going to be ready to play uh, anytime near the beginning of the season. Got he had knee surgery last year. It's still not responding well, and I get I get worried about I get worried about him because he has so many miles on him. He's been playing hundreds of ball games every year since he was nine years old in AAU. And, yeah. you know, he's bow-legged and he's had some knee issues. I just, I just hope I love Lonzo ball. I think yeah. he's a fantastic player. He's continued to get better. He he's an all-star type point guard when he's healthy. I just hope he can get healthy. His, his turnaround of his, his shooting was miraculous it just that just goes to show that if you work at it no matter what do you remember rajon rondo's shot coming out of high school or college it, it was the worst mechanical shot i think i've ever seen for a beautiful athlete right mm -hmm. and he was so messed up if you leave rajon open now he makes shots makes big yeah. shots takes shots yeah. it just yeah. if you 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 shoot so much <laughs> shoot arounds and all of that practice it's just at some point, Jason Kidd couldn't shoot. I couldn't shoot. Teams backed off of him. Our his first five, six, seven years in the NBA, we would get mad at him for not shooting. Shoot the ball. Shoot the fucking basketball, Jason. It doesn't matter if it goes in. I got two guys guarding me, my man and your man, and we would we would just bully him into shooting. And he continued to shoot, continued to shoot. And he's like, now he's like the third all-time leading maker in NBA history. Yeah, yeah. Playoffs or whatever. It's just time. crazy. Yeah, Practice. I remember when I first heard that stat, I was like, there's no way. That's I know. The one, that's the one flaw <laughs> of his game. I couldn't crazy. believe that. Crazy. Yeah. Um, well, football's back. I'm excited about that. Uh Love football. I, I just turned on a game this weekend. Didn't even know who was playing just to have the noise on in the background. Just yeah. to have the crowd noise <laughs> and the so announcers. True. <laughs> that's so true. God, um, that's great. Well, yeah, that's let's, let's pivot. Uh, let's get to our guest this week. Uh, we've, we're going baseball. I'm pleased, pleased to welcome 21-year Major League Baseball pitcher, 2007 NL champion, Currently a special assistant for the Minnesota Twins. Want to welcome LaTroy Hawkins. Welcome, LaTroy. Uh, thanks, Rex. Uh, it's a pleasure, man. Like I said before, I feel like I've already met you. I, grew up I know. You. I grew up in Indiana, so. Gary, Indiana, right? Kentucky thing was real, yep. Yeah, so, so. Josh and I, Josh uh, and I are both from Kentucky. I'm from Owensboro. He's from Lexington. I'm in Lexington now. And, of course, we, you know, we. Gary's very, uh, you know, we have 
athletes that have come here from Gary to, to Lexington to play. Uh, of course, um, you know, Jackson's way back in the day. So not, not, there's a lot of, it's not too far from here. Tell me about growing no, up. Not in, at all. Tell me about growing up in Gary. Um, Gary was the steel mill city. Uh, I think we had three or four steel mills um, when I was growing up. Uh, since then, I think all have closed except for one, which is U.S. Steel. I just, you know, just a typical Midwest city where, you know, blue collar, everybody's working, trying to survive. And, and you know, I grew up in a city where when I was there, it was probably about 200,000 people. And I think now the population is under 80,000. Damn. So, wow. yeah, it's it's definitely not as populated as it used to be. But you know what? I always tell people when I talk about Gary, I say, you know what? Gary gave me perseverance. It helped me deal with, you know, the ups and downs of a career, the profession that I chose to play professional baseball because baseball is, you know, predicated around failure. And none of the baseball failure was anything like the failure I saw, you know, from people, you know, in my hometown. What, what were your aspirations like as a little kid? I mean, how did you, uh, I mean, did you picture yourself living in Gary forever or did you like, you knew you wanted Never. to get out of there? Okay. I knew I wanted to get out. Um, okay. My grandfather, he worked in the U.S. Steel for 38 years. Wow. Uh, my grandmother drove the bus. Uh, my mom was a beautician. And, you know, when you're in high school in Gary, you know, you can take a tour of the, U.S. Steel Mill because, you know, oh, that wow. was the job to get. Yeah. And my grandfather told me, you're not taking a tour of that steel mill. <laughs> nope. <laughs> you're not getting suckered in. You're not going to get suckered him. in. Nice. And he worked on cars. He worked on cars in, in his spare time. And he was like, nope, you ain't doing that either. Nope. You're what? not doing that either. So. Was it hard for you to get out of there uh, without, you know, going, you know, down past the, you know, some we I've been down some paths. Is it hard to was it hard to get out of there without, you know, getting in trouble? And and um, it was you know, extremely hard. It was okay. definitely hard when you, you know, you grew up in a city where you grew up in a city and during a time where the mass incarceration was starting and people were getting, you know, incarcerated for the smallest of things. And yeah, it was tough. I had a lot of friends, a lot of family, family members who were incarcerated. Um but, you know, I just always, I never thought I was lucky. I didn't think I was lucky, man. I was just like, you know, I just didn't get caught. Wow, <laughs> I was, yeah. I just didn't get caught. Yeah. I wasn't lucky. I just didn't get caught doing the things, Damn. some of the things that I did. It's one of those things where, you know, and I always, I knew I didn't want to be in gear. I wanted to go to school, sign to play basketball at Indiana State. And, you know, if that didn't work out, I was going to, I wasn't going back to Gary. Only to visit, even today. You know, I only go home to visit. That's it. Why baseball? Why baseball? You're such a great athlete and everything else. And in Gary, you know, basketball is big and football is, is big, you know, uh, in and Indiana. And you, you were a track guy, too. Like, I mean, how did, what, how did, how'd you choose What baseball? was it about baseball? Plain and simple, fellas. When you get drafted <laughs> in baseball, they offer you money. <laughs> Plain and simple. They offer you money. And you start making money right when you sign your name on the dotted line. I when did you get drafted? In 1991. If I do that, I go sit in the classroom for four more years. I didn't particularly like school. I mean, I didn't hate it, but I didn't particularly like it. And I got a chance to get paid to play a game that, you know, I've been playing. I thought I had been playing for a long time. <laughs> and so the decision was easy. And my grandfather, I remember my grandfather telling me when I got drafted, and we were doing some negotiations, and we were home one night. We were downstairs in the basement shooting pool, and he told me, you know, you're a better baseball player than a basketball player. I was like, man, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, so, that's, so, that's so good. And he was like, and, but look at it this way. There are way more spots on the baseball team than a basketball team. <laughs> yeah. But I do. But you, you know what? I'm glad advice. I took his advice. I'm glad I you, took his advice because um, – I definitely probably wouldn't have made it to the NBA. I can tell you that much. Really? But you don't I think? put myself in a position. I just don't. I, looking at it now, I thought my chances were a lot greater in baseball. Because I went into baseball a raw athlete. 
So I never had a pitching coach, never played any high caliber baseball. The Twins drafted me on pure what they saw in my athleticism. But basketball, you know, I don't know how close I was to, you know, my peak. Right. I know in baseball, I was, you know, I went down and I started playing against guys who've been playing 100 games a year. I was playing about 17. Yeah. <laughs> guys who had their own, guys who had their own pitching coaches and hitting coaches. <laughs> you know, hell, me and my brother were our own pitching coaches. Steph Curry's record-breaking three-pointer, Jason Tatum's buzzer-beating alley-oop, Ja Morant's poster dunk. NBA Top Shot is where the greatest moments from NBA history are turned into officially licensed digital collectibles. NBA Top Shot has evolved trading cards by making it easier to buy, sell, and collect by removing the hassle of grading, shoe boxes, and shipping fees. You can buy or sell moments in a few clicks and access them at any time on your phone or computer. Your collection is always at your fingertips. Start collecting Top Shot moments in any way you want. Collect rookie moments from future stars like Evan Mobley and Kay Cunningham. Collect throwback moments from former NBA stars like Shaq and Allen Iverson. Or collect moments from your favorite team to gain access to exclusive perks. Grab your starter pack today and Top Shot will give you $20 back to start your collection and pick up some of your favorite moments in the marketplace. Go to about.com nbatopshot.com slash bballnews and get in the game today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply to play as 21 years it people don't understand that you can have all the talent in the world and that we see it in every sport basketball baseball football whatever it is if you don't have the mental makeup to you know be able to wake up every day and have people talking shit about you and and all of that stuff you can really it can we've seen it it can just destroy destroy people but where does that, where did that mental fortitude come from? Growing up in a tough Midwest city, you know, growing up in a, in a neighborhood where, you know, my high school was 3,000 kids and we didn't have any white kids. Damn. My high school was all black. Damn. All black. And just being in an environment where. Whoa. Uh, so what, what was that like when you got out of there to. <laughs> I mean, well, I did play. I played Legion ball. I played on some different teams around the area with I had white teammates, but in my 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 high school, wow, zero, zero, and it was. But just being in that environment where, um, being aggressive, (laughs) yeah, yeah, being um, being mad all the time, um, not wanting to be disrespected. And trying to understand what you're going to do if you ever disrespect it. No conflict resolution. Wow. Just How did you just, learn that, though? How, how did you? Because it had to, you know, there had to be times that I can remember going crazy a few times just for whatever reason in high school. In a game, elbow, something, just lose my mind, not really understand why I was doing it. How did, I did you? I did learn did, it. I did learn it. I was like you. I did it. Yeah, I did it. Like, I didn't have a problem with Fighting and, 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 you know, feeling like if you disrespected me, I had to make you respect me. I just did it on the basketball court, on the baseball field. I did it. And, you know, people say, well, he had a bad attitude. I don't know if I had a bad attitude. I was very aggressive and very competitive. And if you disrespect me, we were going to have a problem. If I felt like you disrespected me, we were going to have a problem. But learning it, when I, once you get out of that environment and you see how other people live and people aren't as, as aggressive and you know you don't have to be that aggressive, you start to learn yourself a little bit more and, and start to understand conflict resolution. Then you start to understand, like, where are you at? A lot of times you don't, you don't need that aggression. You don't. All right. I needed was my competitiveness. 
you change environments and, and you see how people react differently when you react that way. Cause they're like, Whoa, where did that come from? And you're like, Calm down, bro. Oh, you're like, yeah, that was a little, <laughs> yeah, you, you learned that way. Let me, uh, in high school, I know you played against uh, the big dog, Glenn Robinson, you know, and he was at that point, everybody knew he was going to be in the NBA. Did that, help solidify it. How'd you match up with him? And did that help? Like, now that guy's an NBA player. Am I did, like, did you think that way at all? Well, I won freshman of the year in our conference over Glenn. Glenn was Damn. only like six. Glenn was only like six, two at the time. He was only wow. six, two. Well, over our summer, six inches, he grew like six inches. Wow. And with his skill set. And he got that height. He just and, took his game to a whole nother level. And he jumped like three feet on his jump shot and released it up here. Uh, up top. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. He, he, he was played filthy. with his back to the basket in high school. Yeah, he was yep. filthy, man. I mean, he he came in and right away you were like, oh shit, what is this? I mean, he was he was so nice. Yeah, um, he was. He had offensive game. That's for sure. He could definitely put the ball in the basket. Oh yeah. But we Latour. never let him beat us. All his other teammates beat us. Well, Glenn wouldn't guard anybody. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't really care about guarding. <laughs> <laughs> and and I should know because I didn't either. Um. <laughs> hey, Latroy, look, before we go too much further, Rex has got this thing when he starts the podcast where he's Rex Everett Chapman here always <laughs> says our guest's middle name, kind of surprises him, and you don't. No middle name? No middle name. No middle name. Uh, wow. Any of your Both of my uh, brothers have my, brothers? my younger brothers have middle names and I don't. Wow. Oh, come on now. What nope. that's bullshit. How, how do you how, you know what? I'm good with it because it's just one <laughs> less name I had to learn how to spell. <laughs> <laughs> oh one man. Less. Hey, I I know you got a soft spot for your in, the, in your heart for the twins who you work for now, but you made, you made it up to the big leagues uh, before you made it to the big leagues. You played in the minors for four years. Um, what was, was that, what was that like, uh, you know, going from college and college experience, bridging the gap from high school to the pros? It's nothing. It's not even close to being the same. Um, when I got to Fort Myers, I graduated from high school, June the 8th, I left June the 9th to start my professional career. Nice. And when I got to Fort Myers, Florida, and I saw these guys, these Dominican kids, same age as me, throwing 95 miles an hour and filling the ball like I'd only seen guys on television throw the ball. And back then, you only watch Major League Baseball on TV. Mm-hmm. I was completely blown away and overwhelmed. And I, I started doubting myself right away. I'm like, whoa, am I going to be able to compete with these guys? I'm like, because if they're doing this, I can imagine what it, you know, it's going to look like at the next level and the next level. But, you know, I got my first pitching coach um, and I made a little progress that year. And it took me about three weeks to Rex before I said, you know what? I can compete with these guys. What was it? Of, what was it during that? I was this. wondering about that because that's a big step. You just start, started seeing progress. Was it, was it coaching? Obviously, it was your started, diligence. I got some coaching. I got coaching. I was watching the Cubs games and the White Sox games, learning how to pitch. And I never had any one specific person, you know, take time with me, you know, 30 minutes a day, you know, and I never played that much baseball in my life. So when you're in minor league baseball, you're playing baseball every day. It's like going to college. Like you're going to go to class every day and you're going to basketball practice every day. It's, it's a full-time job, but you're learning on the job. And that helped me just playing baseball. My experience coming from high school, I didn't have any experience. We barely played. If it was too cold, we weren't playing. If it rained, we weren't playing because our fields weren't allowing us to do it. But hell, I played 17 games in the first first 17 days I was there. <laughs> I already maxed out my high school season. So it was, damn. Yeah. But well, going well, through the minor leagues, it's tough. It is tough because you don't I think we we're making like twelve dollars a day for meal money. Uh, bus rides were terrible. Long bus rides. Um Living with strangers was a was one of the first things that that I that I don't say I won't say it gave me anxiety, but it was just it just didn't feel right to me living with a stranger, host yeah. host families and stuff, and just being in somebody's house and not being comfortable. 
I got to Elizabeth in Tennessee in 1992. And that's in the Appalachian Mountains, whatever. It's mm-hmm. way up there. We know where it is. Been, I ain't never been there. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm with the minor league director for the Twins, Bill Smith, and he takes me to this lady house. Her name is Grandma. On the way from the airport, he's telling me the story about how Carrie Puckett stayed with her and a few other guys who made it to the big leagues. It's going to be great. Get in there and meet this lady. She's 88 years old. <laughs> I live up on a hill overlooking the little town. And, you know, he leave me there. I'm talking to her. She said, well, when I go to sleep, I take the phone in the room with me. Um, so I couldn't use the phone at night. <laughs> so, and she's a, she was a, I remember she was a, um, a hoarder. She had stuff everywhere, man. Oh, beautiful. Stuff everywhere. <laughs> I found Not a funny, dead bro. cat. Not funny. So I'm in my room. About 10 o'clock at night, and I, I get up and go to the kitchen to get some water. We didn't have a bottle of water back in 1991. Yeah. <laughs> and I cut on the lights. And when I tell you, man, it was roaches everywhere. <sighs> they were everywhere. Now, I'm not above roaches. Listen, listen. <laughs> I'm not above roaches. All right. I had some roaches growing up from time to time. <laughs> but our roaches, when you cut on the light, they run. Her roaches, when I cut on light, they looked at me and like, what are you doing here? Yeah, they, they looked at you. They looked at you and were playing dueling banjos. <laughs> Man, I uh, love that her name. I love grandma. that her name was Grandma. It's like it's like they, they held her up and was like, let's call her Grandma. Yeah. <laughs> so the next day I go to the bar, I go back in my room, I pack my clothes back up, put them back in my suitcase so no roaches can in my clothes. <laughs> And I, I called my grandfather and I told, I called my mom and my grandfather and I was like, man, that lady got roaches. I mean, roaches everywhere, like all in the refrigerator, like they're everywhere. Oh, He's like, you didn't see them when you came in? When you got them? I'm like, no. So my grandfather called the, our director of minor leagues and told him about it. And I didn't have to go back there that night. I slept oh. in the clubhouse. I slept in the clubhouse for Damn. two nights. And then they found another family for me to live with. Which one of the two players, two players are already, two players from Chicago are already living there. This is a nightmare, too. I um, <laughs> do this all day. I can't think of the guy's name. The white guy married to a black lady. Okay. And they're, they're, his brother had Down syndrome and he was like our team mascot. You know, he loved Elizabeth and twins. Yep. And he's always, you know, singing and screaming and stuff. So they had this house where, you know, you, you walk down two stairs to get down to a, another level where we where we slept at. I was there like three days, two o'clock in the morning. She busts down the door running. He chasing her, calling all kind of N-words and stuff. Oh, no. Like, where am I at? <laughs> what? This all in the first week. Oh, like, my God. I'm oh. like, okay. So the, my buddy, my teammates, they wasn't going to tell. They wasn't going to tell. Mm-mm. I ain't never been been part of nothing like this. So I went and told, and they got us out of there. It was awful. And oh then, my god! And then me and my buddy, we met this chick from Kingsport, Tennessee. Kingsport, mm-hmm. it was uh, where the Mets were, and we went to stay with her and her two kids. Nineteen years old, staying with this thirty-five year old lady with two kids. And she was driving us back and forth to the ballpark. So that's the minor leagues right there, just trying to survive by any means necessary. Is it better now? Awful, man. Is it better now? Yeah, it's better. Okay. Yeah, it's better. They have, um, like, we had to pay for our own housing. Right. As of last year, beginning last year, minor leagues had to pay for their own housing. Our, okay. Each organization has to pay for minor league food. So their check is their check. We had to Rates. pay housing, food. We had to pay clubhouse dues. They don't have to pay any of that now. That's great. So they, that, I mean, it took a long time, but they yeah. minor leagues in a better place than it was. And they're traveling yeah. on two buses instead of one. I used to sleep. I used to sleep up where the luggage goes on the bus. That's how skinny <laughs> I was. <laughs> I had a Michael Jordan pillow slash a pillow that that um, unfolded into a blanket. It unfolded to like a little sleeping bag. And I used to get in that and go to sleep up there. Uh, speaking of awful. speak speaking of which, um, you know, one of the greatest athletes we've ever seen, MJ. Uh, what was it like for you watching him attempt to play baseball? 
I actually played against some Rex. Um, for me, I grew up 30 minutes from Chicago Stadium. Mm-hmm. Everybody I that was around me in my in my circle, we were the biggest Chicago Bulls Michael Jordan fan. Everything about Michael Jordan, we wore our socks like Michael Jordan. We went ball like Michael Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Troy, man, I hate to bust your bubble, but get in line. That was everyone. Not yeah. Just- <laughs> yeah. See, we, did, we didn't know. We were so close. We didn't. We didn't know what everybody else was doing around the country. We just knew like Jordan was our guy, man. It was. Yeah. And the first time I met him, uh, we had went to Birmingham to play because that I got called up to Nashville, and we we're playing against them. And I was I had pitched the night before. I get out. I get to the stadium that day. I go for a run. I got my Walkman. You know the Sony one, the yellow one. Yeah. Oh yeah. The headphones on. Sports. I go Sport out the gate. Man. The sport, uh-huh. yep. I go, out the, <laughs> I go out the left field gate and I started jogging and I see this red, this black porch flying down the road. Oh, the and, worst driver ever. Fat, oh. just out of control. Yeah. And he was bumping, I'll never forget this, R. Kelly, Sweet Sadie. Don't you know I love you, Sweet Sadie? And it was like 2.15. I was like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to be here at 2.15 to uh, – I'm going to stay at the gate. I'll be there at 2.15 so I can meet him. Next day, sitting there waiting like clockwork. 2.15. He coming through the gate. And I was like, how you doing, Mr. Jordan? He's like, who are you? <laughs> He's like, who are you? I was like, my name is Troy Hawkins, man. I play with the Nashville Sound. We're playing against you guys. He's like, oh, what's up, man? I was like, uh, he was like, it was, I was like, can I get an autograph, man? He was like, hell no. I was like, well, it's and I dropped this on him. I said, well, it's okay. I didn't want it. It was for my mother. And he was like, oh, I'm just, I'm just joking with you. And he's like, where are you from? I was like, Gary, Indiana. He's like, Gary? I had a few chicks over in Gary. Back in the day. I'm like, okay, cool. So we started talking. It was like the coolest experience ever. Like, yeah. And he told, two days later, we played him four days. And two days, the last day he called me, he told him to come get me. He had just had his wisdom tooth pulled. He's like, he came and got me. And I was like, I went in his locker and sat down and just talked to him for like 30 minutes. I was and I'm sitting, like, we have <laughs> cell phones, so I couldn't call yeah. none of my buddies. Right. I couldn't call anybody. It had to be after the fact. I'm sitting there talking to Michael Jordan. And that night, our minor league director was in town and Jordan was playing right field. And him and my buddy, all four games, they were playing tic-tac-toe in right field because at the stadium, the right field was standing in that same spot, so it was a dirt spot. That was back when the field crew was terrible. And my minor director was like, it's the greatest basketball player ever to live out there. You think you could score on them? I was like, hell yeah. He was like, dude, all NBA defensive team, this and that. I'm like, I don't care. Hell, he can go for a pump fake. <laughs> he was like, you really think you could score on Michael Jordan? <laughs> Swear to God, the next day I was like – he was over there playing catch, went over there. And I was like, yeah, I might lead directly asking me if I can score on you. And I told him, hell yeah. And he looked me in my face and said, Rex, he was like, you won't if I don't let you. <laughs> and the only thing I could say to defend myself right there, I was like, shit, you crazy. Shit, you crazy. You crazy. Shit, hell, I'm going to get a point. I ain't say I was going to win. Yeah. I was going to get a point. Oh, he that's so me, good. Hey, he made me doubt myself though for a second. That's right. That's right. Have you, <laughs> have you ever needed. seen have you ever seen anything in your life like the size of those hands? I mean, no. he shakes your hands and it just grabs your whole forearm. Yeah, it was amazing. It was, I let him get a hit. I mean, I was I was I pitched to him. I got him. He got a hit. I struck him out and I picked him off first base after he got that hit. Ooh. And I told him, I said, Hey, my mama told me to throw you off fastball. <laughs> Tell mama I love her. <laughs> It was so much. Uh, I mean, it was just, dude, I, that that's, one of, so that's the coolest thing that happened to me in my career, beat, meeting somebody. And then fast forward to 2000, I signed with the Yankees in 2008. So it was December, of, no, January of 2008. I had just signed with the Yankees. And I was in town taking a physical. And he was like, well, we found something in your heart. You need to spend the night and do a stress test. And I'm like, Whatever. I suppose I flew in that morning before I then I ain't bring no clothes. So I gotta go to Nike Town. I got some, you know, some running shoes and some shorts. Go to the hotel. The security guard for the twins, I mean for the Yankees, 
He came to pick me up the next morning. He's like, I just saw Jordan walking to Barney's. I was like, oh, really? I said, is it on the way to the hospital? He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, let's stop in there and see if he's still in there. So we'll go in there. And he's with a young lady, and he got his back to us. So you know, I, I just waited till he got done. And he turned around and said, what's up, MJ? You remember me? He's like, motherfucker, I still watch baseball. He's like, shit, I'm a Yankees fan. What's up, Latroy? Wow. By then, I was my mom. I was like, Jordan, remember who I was? So I was like, damn, I made that's it. That's so Jordan great. Me. Damn, that's great. <laughs> God, that's great. Just another – professional athlete just in awe of another yeah. professional athlete i mean but it's so true we like i wore that one knee sleeve i didn't need to wear and i'd wear it down and you talk about his hands to this day i'm like i don't need to do this but i'm like always put my thumb like that <laughs> like hey <laughs> mike did that that's how yeah. my hands are <laughs> hey, speaking oh, about how difficult that was you know all you had to change, all the mental and physical reps, all the sleeping in tops of buses and roaches. What was it like when you got the call to go to the show? Where were you? Do you remember where you were? What happened? How you felt? Well, in 1994, August of 1994, we went on. We got. Um, I'm trying to remember if we went on strike or got locked out. I think we got locked out. No, we went on strike because it was during the season. We went on strike in August of 94. So I wasn't, I wasn't on a major league, uh, I wasn't on a 40 man roster at the time. So I was still in triple A, uh, but I was going to get on the roster because they had to put me on the roster that off season during the winter meetings. Um, so we were on strike. We didn't settle the strike until mid April when the season should have been started already. So I made the team out of spring training after the strike season um, because minor leagues, I mean, the major league baseball, we only had two spring, two weeks of spring training. So they let us expand our roster. So we have enough to be able to start the season and not have to push guys to throw five and six innings so soon. But so that's the only reason I made the team, but Tom Kelly called me in his office. was like, Hey, you, um, you got any, you got any, um, you have any dress clothes? I'm like, no, why would I need dress clothes? <laughs> I didn't own a damn suit. <laughs> yeah, of course not. <laughs> he, he was like, uh, well, I think you need to go get you one. I'm like, like yeah, you go, you're, you're leaving Fort Myers with the big league club. He didn't tell me I made a team. You're leaving Fort Myers with the big league club. And I was sitting there, I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm good with that. That sounds good. He's like, congratulations. And I, no cell phones again. So I had to wait. Damn. I couldn't even really celebrate because my buddy, my best friend, didn't make the team. Yeah. Matt Law, he didn't make the team. So I really couldn't celebrate. Yeah. And he, was, he, was, he was hyped. And I was like, damn, but you didn't make the team, man. And <sighs> I remember we went to eat at Waffle House. And we finally got <laughs> home. When we finally got back to our apartment, that's when I was able to call my, 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 father, my grandfather and my mom to tell them I had made the team. And we were just, I mean... I don't, it, it takes a lot to get me excited. And I, I was, I was happy, but I wasn't excited. I was happy. Okay. I'm like, oh, shit, this is what I worked hard for. Well, I'm gonna be happy because I, I made the team because I pitched well to make the team. I ain't happy about that. Uh-uh. So, I deserve that. Yeah. I deserve I earned it. That's, That's right. The first thing. That's I right. That. And it might sound a little, you know, yeah, no, it hockey, doesn't. but no, I earned no, it. Doesn't. I earned to be on that team. I earned the right to be on that team. So, that didn't last long. I stayed until <laughs> <laughs> I stayed until the um, the rosters dropped back down to twenty five men because they let us expand it to like thirty two guys. So that's why I was able to make the team. But it was fun. I was up and down from ninety five, ninety six, and then May of ninety seven is when I came when I came up and stayed for the duration. Well, it, it, when you're early in your career with the Twins, uh, you had some tough seasons as a starter, uh, but eventually the team switched you from starter to relief pitcher. Um, how'd that happen? And, you know, how do you feel like that impacted your career? It definitely impacted my career. I didn't, you know, we had all these, these, um, when you're pitching in the minor leagues back then, you had to throw a certain amount of fastballs, a certain amount of breaking balls, and a certain amount of changeups. Well, Rex, if you're a pitcher on my team, a starter also, and you're keeping a chart the day that I'm pitching, 
you fudge the numbers of how many change-ups I threw. If I supposed to throw 22 change-ups and I only throw three, you fudge it to make it look like I threw 22. So I really never developed that pitch and wow. vice versa for one of my buddies because we were always fudging the numbers. Wow. Uh, we were definitely successful in the minor league, but we wasn't looking at the process. Got it. And and we skipped, you know, we skipped. We skipped, skipped a something. step or two. Yeah. 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 Skipped a step, Got a it. step or two getting to the major leagues. And that kind of like, that kind of like stunted our growth as pitchers, especially at the major league level. Wow. And being it's, on a team that we wasn't that good, we were rebuilding. It was tough because you didn't have a, you didn't have any opportunities to make a mistake. And, you know, offense, you were able to make up for it. We were all young. We were all trying to figure it out at the highest level bars. I mean, individually and, and collectively. And it was just, it was not good, but, you know, I always say, I always tell, tell people starting, starting and being in situations I was in on the mound with runners on base all the time. It helped me when I got moved to the bullpen because I was comfortable in an uncomfortable situation and having guys on base didn't, it didn't affect me because I came from starting where I always had guys on base because I gave up a lot of hits. This podcast is brought to you by Branded Bills, the best place online for premium headwear and apparel. Branded Bills has hundreds of designs available, including our popular state collection, where you can show your pride with hats, shirts, hoodies, and more for all 50 states. Are you a company looking to brand your business? Branded Bills also offers custom apparel options that can meet your brand standards with fast turnaround and shipping. To shop or learn more, visit brandedbills.com today. I, I don't know if I'll even phrase this right, but um, as a, is it more or less stressful the night before a, a game when you're pitching or when you're a closer? Is there, is there a different set of nerves involved there? For me, it wasn't a different set of nerves. For me, if when I was starting, you pitch once every five days. Well, if you pitch horrible, which I did, I had four days to just yeah. soak just in that, so, yeah. just so, marinate in it. Yeah. yeah. Well, when I went to the bullpen, if I faced you, Rex, at, you know, in the eighth inning tonight and you get me, you know what? I can watch that real quick because there's a good opportunity that I'm going to be in the game the next day in that same yeah. situation. So I have an opportunity to redeem myself. But yeah. when you do it as a starter, now you got four days. I don't care what's happening. You got four days to marinate in your in your three innings, six earned yeah. runs, two walks, one strikeout, two home that, run. That is the best. That is the best to me. That's the best part when I think about baseball, basketball, and football. Uh, in football, you lose, you got all week. In basketball, we play the next night. You can go get it back right away. You know, <laughs> you wash that one, go get it. We play again tomorrow night, throw it out. Um, it worked for me. Yeah, same. Talk, talk a little bit about uh, Tory Hunter and your group of friends who you still mm. stay in touch with uh, from those early Twins days. Uh, yeah, they, you know, Tory and it's Tory. Well, well, I'll start with Matt Lawton because Matt and I were the original two. Well, Eddie Gordado was the original one, and then I came. So I was number two, and, and uh, Matt Lawton was three, then Tory, then Jock. And, you know, just being able to have a collective group of friends in the minor leagues who all had the same goal. Yeah. We were pushing each other. We all came from really tough areas. Um, we, know we, we knew we didn't have much to go back to. Like, this was – this was our opportunity to like change lives. And we all had the same goal, man. We pushed each other, you know, one made it, you know, now we still, you know, we, we didn't get up there and forget about the guys who came behind, you know, we're, we're throwing rope down, trying to help pull them up, keep them encouraged, make sure they, whatever they needed, they got because they, so they didn't have to worry about certain things, but you know, that group, we're still tight to this day. I mean, like Jock Jones and I just left, we just came back from Argentina bird hunting, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was in Minnesota with Tori and, and Eddie Gordado having a good time. But, you know, we're just we're just a kid from San Diego, a kid from Gary, Indiana, Pine Bluff, Arkansas, and Stockton, California, and Gulfport, Mississippi. Wow. Just pushing each other to be the best. That's great. Fantastic. I mean, that's the kind of when you when you're old and, you know, 
put away in, in, in a home, that's what sticks <laughs> with you. Not the games, not the strikeout. It's those relationships, you know? Yep. And that's why I, I, I'm an actor. And people always say, well, what was your favorite movie or favorite role or whatever? And I'm like, you know, there's art parts of it, but it's the relationships. It's the friends you make on different things and the memories, because that's what comes with you. That's what, yeah. you know, warms your life and your heart. The, the, the art of it lasts forever, which is cool. Just like, you know, the, the games mm -hmm. you play that last forever, but it's the relationships, you know, that's what, and that's, you don't always realize it until you start getting a little older. Until you leave the game and you're away from the game longer, you start thinking like, wow, how tough, those are the things how, that are important. How tough was that for you? Because uh, it, it was very tough for me. I don't even think I uh, even knew I would miss uh, the buses and the planes and the, just the, the locker room. I just thought, all right, I'm going to retire. Uh, that's all. And I just started filling that void with painkillers for real. Mm -hmm. But uh, did you have a tough transition in any way, you know, just go, cause you're, you're, it's Man. like being, it's, it's like being in a, you know, <laughs> I've always said playing pro sports is like traveling the country with a band of fifth graders with money. <laughs> Facts. Facts. No lie detector. You know, th no throwing boogers, you know, guys asleep on a plane with the mouth open, throwing boogers in their mouth or whatever the hell else it is. I mean, you don't realize that, you know, that's been a part of what you've done since you were a kid now. And you don't know any other way. I am. Um, I, I started, I think I, I, I kind of talked to a lot of people about it before I did it and the way I wanted to do it. First of all, I wanted to leave the game while I could still play. Uh, a friend of mine in Indiana told me the best time to retire is when they don't want you to. Because when they want you to, it's too late. Now you got the booze and all this, yeah. and telling you need to go home and all that. So I did it right on that part. I retired when I when I could still play. Yeah, but and you were you were you you were still old for the game. You you mm -hmm. were what? Mm -hmm. How old were you? Forty. I, I retired at forty two. Wow. And I, I mean, was still throwing 96, 96 miles an hour, but I damn, just couldn't. I just got I got tired of doing it. Mm -hmm. And I also never wanted to have that conversation with a general manager and a coach, a manager, to tell me, you know what, we're going to release you. I never wanted somebody to tell me I wasn't good enough. So instead yeah. of them taking the jersey, I just gave it back to them. And because I've, I played long enough to have a lot of friends that retired. Mm -hmm. And a lot of friends that retired before they thought they were ready yeah. to retire. And mm -hmm. a lot of friends who are really bitter at the game because they were forced to retire when they didn't think they should have retired. So right. I never wanted to be that. And along the way, out of the 21 years in the major leagues, probably year, year eight, I started to really understand the value of relationships. And not just relationships with my teammates, right. relationships with clubhouse guys, the front office people, the people around the stadium. And I was fortunate enough to play for a lot of different organizations. And just understanding, like, you need to go talk to the GM. You need to go meet the owner. You need to go, you know, you need to have a good relationship with your manager. Whether he's a bad manager or not, he's probably a great dude away from the field. So I just made sure I, you know, I networking, man, just networking and start talking about, I started talking about the end 12 years before it came because I understood, like, it could have came the very next day. And I kind of like prepared myself because I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be a special assistant somewhere. I knew I wanted that type of job. And I was out a year and a half, well, a year. And, you know, I had like five job offers for the job. And, you know, I, I just took it and ran with it. I went to the – I was in New York. I just got home yesterday, Twins Yankees. And on Tuesday, Chris Arch and I went to the, um, to the Jackie Robinson Museum. It just opened up. And I just, you know – couldn't express, express enough to him. Continue to make relationships, man. Networking. If you want my job when you get done, continue to make cultivate relationships because those are the things that are most important. They know you didn't go to college. They know you didn't go to college. We ain't had time to go to college. But if you get to know people, they know what you're about and who you are in your heart and what you know about the game. And they can't they can't replicate that. You have a, you, we have a unique experience that they're always looking for.
No, I make such a great point. I think about being a, a young player, uh, rookie, uh, early player playing for the Charlotte Hornets at 19, 20, 21 years old. I'm just fortunate that, um, you know, when I got traded, that I took the time at my next stop to not only know the PR guy's name, but to know the assistant PR person's name, what their kids do, how old their kids are, all of that stuff that I didn't do in Charlotte. I walked past everybody. Not I knew my teammates. I knew my coaches. I thought that's all I need to know. It's not all you need to know. You're no, supposed to know the business, know the business you're in inside and out and try to be a good person and, and cultivate relationships along the way. Learn the person who who's watching over the parking lot where you park your expensive car at. Right. Stop and talk to them every day. Make sure you make them feel important. Make sure you know their kid's name, like you said, and you know their right. wife's name. And you walk in like doing batting practice. I had to go in the, in the grounds crew's room and play cards with them. Doing bad right. just sit and see. hang out with them just because like like I see these dudes every day, like every day. Just imagine how many players over the years never said a word to them. And they yeah. always said that. Always mm-hmm. said that. And even the clubhouse guys, like I was in Yankee Stadium, you know, on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And you know, they got great food. So I'm I'm eating like I'm a player. Like, <laughs> back in the club, I'm eating like I'm a player. So Wednesday night I go to give, you know, Luca Kuzu who's a who's a um He's the visiting side's clubhouse man, and his brother is the home side. And I had both of them when I played with the Yankees. And I was like, Lou, here's the money for the food I ate up this week, man. He was like, you want the good ones. I'm not taking your money. <laughs> and, that, and that made me feel good because it let yeah. me know I did it right, man. That's I did right. it right. You're one of the good ones. I'm not taking your money. I'm like, you sure, Lou? He was like, I just give me a hug. That's it. I'm like, See, and when people are okay. thinking about a, a, a special assistant, they'll go ask him, hey, what about LaTroy? LaTroy's the best, man. I love that dude. That's how stuff happens. Hey, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up. Uh, t- you you got to be pretty pretty proud of uh, your godson, oh, Patrick yeah. Mahomes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, tell, tell me about uh, the relationship with his dad, how all that started, and and a little bit about that young man. So the relationship with, with uh, Pat Sr. You know, started with the Twins. He was in the big leagues already when I got there. And he and Scott Erickson, and I lived with them my rookie year. Wow. Lived at the top of this building in the penthouse. You know, two of the guys that had a lot of fun. And, you know, they took care of me. And then Scotty went to Baltimore, and it was just Pat and I. And – you know, I remember when he said, hey, I got a new girlfriend. I'm like, really? <laughs> this was like in right after the season. And then he got to spring training. He told me she was pregnant and all that. And OK, cool. Moving pretty fast. But that's OK, because he's, you know, he's three years older than I am. Understood. Okay. And we still like to have a lot of fun. And, you know, what? Patrick was born and we were in, you know, I babysit him and. You know, he didn't like to sleep. We're in Puerto Rico. Him, him, Dad and I played in Puerto Rico together, and Pat and his mom were there. And, you know, Daddy didn't be sleeping. I'll be up at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning watching, you know, cartoons with, with Patrick and <laughs> just hanging out. And, you know, just like – so when I say people I, – I remember sitting in the hot tub when he told me that she was pregnant and she wow. was right there. And so this – one of those relationships – he was a really good basketball player too, man. I heard that. I basketball was the best sport. Um, definitely could play baseball, but football didn't come natural to him. And that's, that's, that's why he gravitated towards that because it was a real challenge. Wow. And he is super, super competitive like his dad and football gave him that challenge. And, you know, his, he didn't, he didn't start until his junior year in high school because they had his freshman and sophomore year, they had a D one quarterback already. And then his junior year, when the other quarterbacks graduated, he had to beat out his best friend. They were Damn. splitting games. They were splitting halves, first half and second half. And then probably like week six or seven is when he took over the starting job for good, and the rest is history. Wow. You know, uh, before before we we let you get out of here, I grew up I grew up in the 
you know, I was born in the late sixties, grew up in seventies and eighties, but like my first baseball memory is Reggie Jackson and Thurman Munson and, and that team, those, those squads, Mr. October, all of that. How, how big is it for baseball, you know, right now to have both the Yankees and Mets uh, among the best teams at the same time? Um, just it's cool that you asked it. Cause just being in a city so recently, Mm-hmm. It is a real vibe, but the vibe is about the Mets and not the Yankees. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, the vibe is about the Mets and not the Yankees, even though we're playing Yankee Stadium. But everybody's talking about the Mets because they feel the Mets have a better opportunity to get to the World Series than the Yankees have because the Yankees hadn't played well as of late. But I always right. tell people that's why they play so, so great the first four and a half months. So when they do start to struggle, they got enough lead. You know, they can, they, right, they got a somewhat of a cushion. I mean, they don't have to play the last, you know, last month or so, but, you know, it's one of those things. They got a lot of injuries, but the vibe is about those, those Metropolitans, man. That's where yeah. the vibe is. And it's good. It's, a, it's great for baseball because Mets hadn't been great lately and they went out and constructed a really good pitching staff, man. When you got DeGrom and Scherzer yeah. in a five game series, you get to see one of them twice. It ain't gonna shake out too good. <laughs> it ain't gonna shake out because they're really good. But it's um, it's great. It's gonna be a very interesting month in American League Central where the Twins are. We play the the, the Cleveland Guardians, eight out of the next eleven games, and the White Sox got the Oakland and Detroit and Colorado the next eleven games. So it's gonna, it's 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 gonna finish like this is gonna be the division to finish like. MLB sets it up when they're doing the schedule. Right, Dodgers yeah. in the East, yeah, uh, they up by 18, 25 games. No, no, no. But this is what baseball looks for. This type that that American League Central, where you're going to fight it out, you're going to duke it out the last month in your division. That's yeah. what that's what excitement comes from. Love they're yank, I mean, the Dodgers running away with the division. Ha 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 ha. But <laughs> they're you no know, people going to pay way more attention to the to the real pennant races, and that's where the excitement comes from. Man, what's it like uh, here? You've dedicated your life to a sport. You've you've left home. You've gone where slept with roaches and crazy stuff. You make it to the league. You are a competitor. This is what you do. Supremely confident. What's it like to be up there on the mound with 40,000 people around there? And it's like, next up, Barry Bonds or, you know, any of these guys. What's that feeling like to be on that mound, all the eyes, and you know, this guy's coming and who are some of those guys for you? When you're confident and you're locked in, you feel invincible. Like when I was starting and I wasn't that confident, I wouldn't say I was scared, but I was very unsure of myself. Yeah. <laughs> very unsure of myself. Um, Edgar Martinez, Edgar killed me. Harold Baines, all those guys that went in the, in the, in the Cooperstown the last Six seven years, I, all those guys killed me. They they all they all were professional hitters. They all did, but you know what? You get to a point where you don't. You stop. You stop worrying about what they do well, and start really digging in on what you do well. Yeah. And when I started doing that, I think that was probably the turning point of my my career. Stop looking at who's hitting, and just focusing on my strengths and going. And just because their strengths were my strengths doesn't mean I didn't I didn't you know, try to execute, execute my strength. Well, he's a good fastball hitter. Well, shit, I got a good fastball. Elmano, Elmano, let's have it. Let's go at it. <laughs> right. Well, when so I was starting, I was just a little unsure of that. And I, and I had this incident with King Griffey Jr. in 97 or 98, where I was, I was starting against the Mariners and I had a one-two and I threw him a changeup and he hit that shit up there where the tarp was at in the Metrodome, where they had Kirby's picture and all that. He had it so far. Kirby's up there on the picture. Kirby did like this. Did it move out the way. So I get taken out of the game. And in the Metrodome, the clubhouses, they connected. Only thing separated them was the laundry room where they did the laundry at. And I'm up there, you know, I'm icing, you know, thinking about just getting my ass handed to me. And I got four days, like we talked about, to think about it before I go back out there. And the clubhouse guy come, hey, Griffey wants to see me. I'm like, Griffey? 
King Griffey Jr.? And he's like, yeah, he said, meet him in the laundry room. So I go meet him in the laundry room, and he was talking. He was like, hey, man, I'm just I'm give you a little advice. He's like, why did you throw me a changeup? I, like, I was fucking trying to get you out. And he looked at me. He was like, man, your fastball is good enough. Your fastball is good enough. Wow. Um, and then for me, I don't know. I'm like, he's trying to set me up yeah. to get fastballs next time. Yeah. You know? <laughs> 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 trying to set me up. Like, like he said, like he's so. I said he's so cold with. He's trying to set me up for his next time when he faces me. That's what I'm thinking. But that was the best advice I got, guys. Because wow. you know what, I had I, I had a pretty pretty good fastball, and you know I threw it 73 percent of the time, and and it all came from that conversation that Griffey wow. had with me. It was like, your fastball is good enough. I'm not saying you don't need a changeup, but eight out of ten times, you need to be throwing that fastball. Ah, that's and beautiful. Just hearing that it from is. him was great. Hey, but my, you said you're an actor, huh? My daughter's at Pace University. She's uh, she's in acting. And she's a film major, so she's she is locked in. And I'm yeah. sure she'll recognize you when she see you. If he's I in, take a screenshot of you, she's going to Oh, he's in that You're world. You're talking to him, Dad? Uh-huh. You're in that he, world, huh? Probably he's not. He's in that world. But, but she's uh, – I guarantee she will. I guarantee she, she will. will. She will. She don't miss nothing. And she she, she recognized – got to go movies. deep for me. I bet yeah. she don't. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, well, that's she great. She's class. got an exciting time ahead of her. It's a beautiful art form, and, and to be young and studying it and uh, – I. I'd switch places with her right now to see what, you know, the rest of her life doing that. That'd be great. Good for she her. She sent me a text. Her professor yesterday was, well, for the rest of the semester is um, Paul Levitt. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah he's the, oh, he was the president of DC Comics from 2002 to 2009. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so awesome. She was like, she's like, Dad, this is my professor this semester. I was like, he cool. He was like, hell yeah. He told us he ain't got no college degree. He ain't got none of that. He just worked his way up from the bottom. <laughs> That's great. That so, is great. So, so LaTroy, I lived with Josh out in LA for a few years and my daughter, I've got three daughters. They're all in their twenties, but the middle one is just eaten up with acting and actors Movies. and the whole thing. And Josh, Josh paid for her to go to acting school in the summer at what was it, Josh? What's the name uh, of the place? Second City. Second City. Or no, man. that's Chicago. Groundlings. 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 And man, she was in heaven. I drove her down there every day. And you just talk about a, a, a something fun. But uh, you, you, she'll recognize Josh. <laughs> I bet you. Hey, uh, you she- brought up. You brought up the Metrodome. We played basketball games in there in the late late 80s. Yeah, they would they would uh, put down like a put a screen up and we played in the Metrodome for basketball games against the did everything. They did everything in the Metrodome. Everything in the Metrodome. So that's why my daughter went to Burbank. She went to Burbank, John Burroughs High School, and she went to Beyonce's dad's acting school. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. Crazy. I think the name of it. I had to drop her off. But yeah, she did that. And it was like that whole acting world. Yeah. It's impressive. I just hey, love uh, that that Beyonce's dad's running schemes like yeah, acting school. I could, be, I could be wrong. I'm texting her and my wife. Man. I'm like, it was a school. It was a school. Hey, hey, Latroy, uh, what's your favorite movie of all time? Remember the Titans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't remember go the Titans. Wrong. Remember the Titans. About, would you have a favorite actor, actress, act all time? Oh man, I like Will Ferrell. Same. <laughs> That's great. I do too. I like Will Ferrell. That I do. So funny. I do too. Now, what about what about front row center for any band, speaker, sports? You know, dead or alive, front row center for for a performance or. Got to be Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Well done. Well Richard done. Richard Lawson. Josh, Richard Lawson. Michael, Jackson, you, you, Michael Jackson, you got your Gary Indiana thing going anyway. Yeah, so. that's true. Is no, there a statue? I've done seven times. Uh, really? A statue? Of, no, but their house is a museum kind of like now, I think. You know yeah. how many times I've been to that house when I grew up there? Twice. The first really? time I ever went to that house was in 1993. I played in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and my teammates wanted to go. So I took them. I'm like, you never come like, I had a reason. Just hang out. 
No, it's the like everywhere. Is, you know, yeah. we, we grew up in in Kentucky and Lexington. They got this like international famous horse park that I've never been to, except <laughs> someone comes in town and you're like, okay, we'll go to the horse park. <laughs> when I lived in, in New York City, the only time I did anything was like, it was top of the Empire State Building. Sure, I've never done it. <laughs> never been. Never will yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, Latroy. Okay, so it's Beyonce's stepfather, Richard Lawson. That's okay. okay. Richard oh, Lawson. yeah. No, he's, Richard Lawson. he's an yeah. actor. Okay, I got yeah, you. Yeah, okay. Richard Lawson. I'm sorry. I okay. knew something would be Beyonce. Got it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Richard Lawson. Latroy, yep. thanks for doing this, man. We'll let you get out of here. Come back again, please. No problem, man. I enjoy following you on Twitter. It is thanks, awesome. Man. It is so good. <laughs> See Team Josh. effort. Hey, really nice to meet you, man. Appreciate you doing this. Same here. Good luck to your daughter. Tell if she ever needs to talk to me, get 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 through Rex, and, and I'll talk to her, sit down anytime. All right. Thanks, guys. How about that, buddy? Hawk. Hawk. That was great. That's our Hawk now. Yeah, that's right. Man, I could have talked to that guy all day long. I know. What good guy. Great stories, man. Those, the roaches. Come the, on, man. The MJ story. What I find fascinating about that is like you know because we were we grew up watching Michael all of that just how you could see it in his eyes and you know how giddy that he yeah. was to you know meet Michael Jordan and play baseball against him yeah. and and how gratifying it was when he remembered him yeah that was gratifying for me same remembered him I was like that's awesome. I know. I, know. I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, well, that was fun, bud. Uh, that was a lot of fun. You want to do this again uh, next week? I do. I do. Let's do it. Let's do All it. Right. All right. That was episode 54. We'll see you next week for episode 55 of the Rex Chapman Show with Super Josh Hopkins on basketballnews.com. See you.